Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. Late this uh, late last year, there were around 300 farms with RNG facilities in there. So very few. In, when you consider there are over 200,000 dairy farms in the U.S., we've got a long way to go. Or look at it this way: we've got a lot of opportunity in front of us. Appalachia meets world podcast about place perspective but always Appalachian and don't forget Will tonight's episode is powered by SOAR shaping our Appalachian region if you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern Kentucky check them out Appalachian meets world we're back another week it's Will and Neil what up man you need me to lead this combo you sounded like you uh riding a heart of Appalachian allergies bro it's something yeah i think you should you should leave you should drive this boat i'm feeling bad for you You sound you've been you've been sick for a couple days or what a few days yeah i've been down and out feeling okay just sound bad or just all together just down in the dumps all together just feel terrible well i appreciate you holding it together for your uh priorities man and making sure our listeners got some good content this week we got we uh, had a little teaser this week first time we've done a teaser yeah we wanted to put it out on Monday because they did have the Renewable Natural Gas Conference this past Wednesday. They sold out every seat. Yeah, pretty incredible. I did see a sellout, but I didn't see the total number of seats. I didn't know if they wanted me to quote that or not. So I'm just going to go with sellout. Must have been pretty heavily attended. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm sure there was all kinds of interesting conversations and uh, wish I could have attended, but. Maybe I can check up the check out the highlights. You know I'm a highlight guy. Yeah. I picked up a couple new listeners this week. Had some conversation with some people. They uh thinking about becoming subscribers. So if there's anybody else out there that's listening and haven't hasn't become a subscriber, make sure you hit that subscribe button on wherever you're downloading our podcast. So uh we appreciate it. Yep. I hope our new listeners don't hold it against me. The things that I might say on the pod. <laughs> Done telling. You bring the energy, man. Somebody's not got any. So <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm trying to step it up a little bit for my brother. Up, you got any app news for me? I do have a little bit of app news. We'll try to get through this quickly. All right. Sounds good. I saw that there's a new magazine coming out. It's called You're Not Seeing Things magazine. It's by a team of West Virginia University alumni, as well as current Reed College of Media students. It features Appalachian artists of all levels, painters, sculptures, music, fashion, uh, voices. It's to ensure that Appalachians are seeing the creativity happen. They're trying to just dispel some of the negative stereotypes, much like our podcast. Sounds like a print version of us. Yeah. <clears throat> They're trying to not only allow people from the outside, but people from the inside to, to see the creativity that happens. You know, it's not just the negative stereotypes and it's not just sports and outdoor recreation. 
There's a lot going on in Appalachia, and they're trying to get the word out. The first issue comes out in May, they said, but then they're going to enter a couple of entrepreneurship competitions to try to raise some funds to really make the magazine a startup. What are they uh, sending us for content? Because basically all they got to do is listen to our show and write about it, right? Yeah, I think we should get some kickbacks. Actually, they're, <laughs> they're going to be taking contributors from all throughout Appalachia to write articles for their magazine. So maybe they could just listen and we could be contributors. I hope uh, you're on the list somewhere because uh, I value your your contributions to our podcast. If people would just put it in print, man, we'd be, be fantastic. I hope they got your number. Yeah, we'll reach out. <laughs> I'll try to put something in print. <laughs> Excuse me. I think I think you're giving it to me through the through, through the yeah, channel. A couple other items today. Reclaiming Appalachia Coalition. They're hosting a webinar on the latest impact report, National to Neighbor: Catalyzing Opportunities for Coal Impacted Communities. It's today from twelve to one. We'll post it. If you're listening to it this morning, you can register um, to check it out. If you don't know about Reclaiming Appalachia Coalition, it's made up of leading organizations in the just transition movement uh, in Appalachia. It's Appalachia Voices, which we've had on the show, Cofield yep. Development, which we've had on the show, yep. rural, rural action, and then contribution from downstream strategies. They're trying just to deliver positive economic and social impacts to mature restoration a restorative economy in Appalachia. So check that out. If you're listening this morning, you can register. If not, I'm sure they'll have some follow-up. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Willie? A couple other items that are relevant to the show tonight. I wanted to mention some students at Dartmouth. I read this article. I just had to mention it. They took their spring break to go on what they called an energy immersion trip. And they took that trip to West Virginia, nine students, 10-day trip. They met with natural gas companies. They met with coal mines and the National Energy Tech Lab in West Virginia. Man, I, just, <laughs> I don't know about you, Will, but I was not going on those trips during my spring break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention that, man. Had I do it... If I could do it all over again, those are the kind of trips that I would take. But I wanted to mention that right. because it just shows the importance of the energy economy and how affected we are or how big of an opportunity is in our region. Yeah. How people from all over the country are traveling to Appalachia to find out more. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a better way to put it than uh, <laughs> spring break and go to, go to energy camp. <laughs> just two more items. CNX Resources, and they partnered with Sapphire. They developed a pilot around, now, I don't know what these are, but they call them turbo expanders. Um, okay. They are converting waste into energy to have zero emissions electricity. It's the first partnership to develop clean energy at an Appalachian site. So that's big news for CNX Resources out of Pittsburgh. One last item, very relevant to what we're talking about today, the Empire Diversified Energy. They were actually, it just came out this week. They were included in the Appalachian Regional Clean Hydrogen Hub application to DOE. I know we've talked about that in the past. We talked about it with the governor of Kentucky, Governor Bashir. Right. They have a renewable energy project that has been included 
as a key element in the ARCH 2's proposal. So it will decarbonize the environment. It turns waste into fuel. That's their project to power trucks, heavy equipment, and industrial applications. And if it's accepted, it would actually be located in Brook County, West Virginia. So it's big news for West Virginia, for the area, and for the environment. I'll tell you. I that's like all, it. That's all the news I had, but it's very relevant to the show we're talking about, we're having on today, Tom Gelrich, who is one of the partners that is putting on the Appalachian Renewable Natural Gas Conference. I know we gave a teaser, but we didn't really describe what renewable natural gas was. I think most people know about natural gas and that there's a lot of fracking going on in the Appalachian region. But renewable natural gas actually turns waste and other materials into gas. Yeah, pretty incredible idea. And I'm looking forward to hearing Mr. Gerich and learning more about all he does. Without further ado, you want to get him on here? Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be way, way wiser than listening to me. <laughs> Here we go. On the episode today, we have a special guest, Mr. Tom Gelrich. He is one of the pioneers in identifying opportunities in the H2 CCS and renewable natural gas sectors of the new climate energy economy as president and founder of H2CCS Network. He previously was CEO and founder of Topline Analytics, which identifies the downstream impacts of the shale gas revolution in the chemicals, plastics, and manufacturing sectors. He began his career as a chemical engineer with ExxonMobil. He was instrumental in founding Alemica, a B2B service for the chemical industry, where he served as managing director of European operations. You can see his wealth of knowledge, his history in the industry. And we want to thank you, Tom, for being on the show, taking the time, what little time you may have taking it with being with us. Glad to be here. We wanted to ask you the first question that we ask everyone. As most Appalachians are big on history, Big on tradition. Our family's big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. Usually this gigantic spread of appetizers, we get full before the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, Tom, do you have a favorite appetizer? Yeah, my my new favorite favorite appetizer is pork belly. Pork belly, you can you can cook many different ways and, and it, it adopts well to many different cooking styles. For example, Asian spices or Southwest or, you know, a barbecue flavor, all can be done with pork belly and it can withstand the, the strength of any, any kind of flavor and you make it crispy. So it's a nice crispy crunch to it and a, and a burst of flavor. So that's my new favorite. Yeah. Pork belly. So is that different from pork rinds? Just yes, it is. Absolutely. So it is the part of the pig that's uh, normally made into bacon, sliced into bacon. So suppose it wasn't sliced. That is a pork belly. Nice, nice. So you're going all keto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and it it, it takes the smoking extremely well. If you (laughs) like the smoked meat, that's it's perfect. Well, that's right up Neil's alley. He's a big smoker. We really, you know, we're having you on 
for the upcoming conference that that you're holding, the Appalachian Renewable Natural Gas Conference. And we want to get into that. But before we do, you know, in Appalachia, Appalachia has a long history of an extractive economy, as well as energies and fossil fuels. Many in the in the area know about natural gas processing and fracking, but I think renewable natural gas is kind of new to a lot of people. Can you just explain what renewable natural gas is, how it's different, what it is when it comes to clean energy or hydrogen? Yeah, yeah, great question. So uh, the name might be a little misleading to people. So it is basically natural gas that's gotten from other means than, you know, drilling into, into the earth uh, and, and extracting it. It comes basically from rotting organic material, material has carbon in it, uh, things like manure or, or food waste or landfills. Uh, they all generate what's known as a biogas. And you've seen it, you know, sometimes in, in landfills. And that gas, that biogas is 50% natural gas or methane and about 40% CO2 and the rest 10% would be uh, moisture or nitrogen or things like that. You clean up that methane, separating out the other materials, and you have what's called renewable natural gas. And why it's important is that if we didn't capture this gas and, and consume it, burn it, we would be emitting from our landfills, from farms with their manure or you know city uh, food waste centers, we would emit the methane into the air. And the methane has 25 times the global warming potential of CO2. So it's a potent global warming gas. And by not emitting it and burning it, we reduce that such that it has uh, what's called the negative carbon intensity. Actually, you are essentially taking out the global warming gas from going into the atmosphere. So we're taking a waste and converting it into something useful and doing good things for the climate. So the like the wastewater facilities, the, the farms, they are naturally producing this methane that RNG is essentially, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, taking care of. Yeah, RNG is the, the cleaned up biogas that's being produced out of these facilities. I, I know there's a lot of information out there in regards to RNG, but like I said, a lot of the technologies are fairly new in regards to clean energy, and a lot of people don't understand the process. Yeah, the industry takes a lot of the technologies from the natural gas industry. So for Appalachia, which is very big in natural gas, the same kind of equipment, controls, skills for people can be applied to creating this renewable natural gas. So it's a natural location, if you will, for uh, renewable natural gas. Yeah, that, that was actually leads into my next question. So for natural gas, it's really processed in the Gulf Coast area and piped elsewhere. But for renewable natural gas, like you mentioned, when you look at the map of, of renewable natural gas processing centers or facilities, it's really around the fracking locations or where the current infrastructure is, I'm assuming. But I also wanted to mention that the Department of Energy has announced almost $8 billion in funding from the bipartisan infrastructure bill from the Department of Energy to create seven or eight hydrogen hubs 
which several Appalachian states are partnering in in applying for this funding. What is the opportunity for renewable natural gas when it comes to these funding sources or these opportunities? And how does it play into the overall, uh, I guess, hydrogen processing? So renewable natural gas is separate from this activity and, and, and could be used as a source to produce hydrogen and be part of that $8 billion that you, you outlined for these hydrogen hubs. And if you use renewable gas, natural gas as the feedstock to produce that hydrogen, you would have a hydrogen gas that is even better for the environment because it comes from a fuel renewable natural gas that has a negative carbon content. It actually elevates the, the end product, that end hydrogen. With RNG, I understand that even at maybe at full tilt, it will provide, it could potentially provide 10 to 15% of the energy that we uh, produce. Yeah. Where, where can the market go from, from where it is currently? And, and what are some of the companies that are active in the Appalachian region? Yeah. So uh, currently the U.S. RNG market is about uh, $5 billion. It's growing roughly 40 to 45% per year every year. So that's pretty sizable. Uh, and right now it's, it's producing less than 1% of our natural gas demand. So it's pretty, pretty small space to start. But when you start taking a look at the opportunities, for example, we talked about farms and the manure. So these are dairy farms. These are uh, pig farms, chicken farms, all kinds of farms. All the farm animals produce the manure. And uh, as of uh, Late this uh, late last year, there were uh, around 300 farms with RNG facilities in there. So very few. And when you consider there are over 200,000 dairy farms in the U.S., we've got a long way to go. Or look at it this way: we've got a lot of opportunity in front of us. So you're saying RNG should be part of the overall clean energy, not specifically just RNG, but it should be part of the overall portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at it too, you look at the different uh, sources of RNG. We talked about a couple uh, coming out of landfills, animal manure and farms. So the, the landfills are going to be closer to the urban areas and the farms are obviously in the rural areas. But you also got wastewater treatment plants, the sewage treatment plants that, that can be tapped in to get the RNG. One of the high growth areas right now is uh, food waste. What's happening is many of um, the cities have uh, and, and uh, states have programs in place to reduce what's going into landfills. And one of the easiest things to do is capture food waste. Food waste can be captured at, hey, say, the distributor, a supermarket where you know the produce might be rotting away or the stuff that's in cans, say, canned can tomato sauce past its expiration date. All that can be collected uh, from apartment complexes, restaurants, and so on. Uh, and some cities have separate collection for this and go into a basically a steel tank. We call it an aerobic digester, which is a steel or concrete tank where uh, no air comes in and allow the natural process of the material, the microbes to act on it, essentially rot the food away and produce this biogas for us. So it's in rural areas as well as suburban 
and urban areas. It's it's all over. The opportunities are all over in the U.S. You know, that's that's what's exciting, right? It's it's right in your own neighborhood. And, and that's important when you start start talking about processing, when you start talking about where this gas goes, if it goes in a pipeline, you know, the, the, the more local you can get with this production, the better for the environment, the better for the residents, the better for the surrounding areas. Right. And, and you can start small. And, and scale up and not recommending people to do that, but you can go on YouTube and see how some of these, you know, farmers have, you know, with a very small farm, created their own RNG processing and use that RNG in their farm for heat or for electricity. Yeah, very cool. Well, you can do anything on YouTube these days. <laughs> yeah. The technology doesn't have to be that sophisticated to do this. Of course, in a larger scale uh, facilities that they do use, uh, more sophisticated technology to optimize the RNG output. Yeah, and I'm glad you described the process of restaurants and food. I, I was reading that really landfill gas is the is the probably the number one provider of RNG. Uh, number two, maybe animal waste. Number three, maybe wastewater treatment. But when it comes to the circular economy, I was reading an opportunity: French fries to fuel. I know that Chevron has has partnered with restaurant technologies where they're taking cooking oil from restaurants and actually selling it to the restaurants when the restaurants are done, collecting it and turning it into RNG, which is perfect for this circular economy idea that has kind of generated throughout the world. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And when you consider all the waste, you know, not just that, but um for example, from agriculture, the waste of corn stalks or seed pods or, you know, things like that that aren't processed into food but are left to rot in the, on the farmer's fields, you can convert that as well. Or uh, forest residue, the bark left over from trees or the small branches, instead of leaving that in the forest floor, we can convert that into RNG. So, you know, the opportunities are all around us. It, it almost seems like the possibilities are endless. I think I would be remiss. You know, we're talking about all the opportunities. We're talking about all the possibilities. I think I would be remiss to not talk about at least some of the cons of RNG. While, while it's clean, it's not without carbon emissions because you do have to burn methane in regards to the process. I understand it reduces the capture of methane in the beginning, but then when it's burned, you know, it does produce a little bit of carbon. Usually that's net negative in that regard, making it, you know, carbon negative. But there are some cons, the greenhouse gas emissions, like I mentioned from the burning, potential pipeline leaks, you know, I mentioned it's better to be as local as possible. Any natural gas that's burned in the home could potentially lead to some um, health effects, whether it be asthma or other conditions, and also locking, locking in harmful ag practices, like some people argue against the, these giant manure ponds or something like that. So there are a few cons in regards to renewable natural gas. Can you speak to these cons and how maybe RNG plays into the overall big picture for clean energy? Yeah, yeah, so great, great question. Let me go backwards from what you what you spoke about. So the manure ponds with uh, RNG are gone. It is not. There are no more manure ponds. It's enclosed space where you get the RNG out. And what remaining solids or semi-solids are in that tank after you've gotten the RNG out? 
is a good fertilizer that your farmer can go put back on its fields. So that it ends up that RNG helps promote good farm practices. Absolutely correct in, you know, we don't want to see uh, methane leaks. And the further you ship the methane, the, the further, the more opportunity you have to have leaks occur. So local use and local production absolutely makes a lot of sense. And what um, companies are doing in addition to making RNG an even better fuel is a couple of things. One, we talked about the biogas being roughly 50% methane and 50% CO2. Some companies are going ahead now uh, and taking and capturing their carbon dioxide, the CO2, at the from the biogas that's being separated and then pumping that and sequestering that underground for geological ages, which separates it from you know, ever coming back up into, into the uh, atmosphere. So taking that whole CO2 out of that cycle will make the fuel even better. And burning the RNG or converting it to hydrogen or, or burning it and capturing the CO2 and sequestering the CO2, again, is a way to upgrade that RNG fuel to make it even better fuel. So, you know, these are different steps that, that, that we can take and, and people are starting to do. The RNG market is a, a fairly new one and it's growing very, very rapidly. But, you know, these are opportunities that companies see and have specifically targeted. We, we want to do this to get a better fuel. And, and it makes total sense to utilize all the tools that you have to include RNG, especially for sectors that may take longer to electrify or can't electrify like heavy industrial vehicles or heavy industrial use. Just in regards to cost to RNG, when you're talking about the consumer, how does it compare to other forms of clean energy? Right, right. so RNG right now is an expensive fuel. And that is because there is more demand for RNG than there is supply. Just simple supply demand situation. You know, we've seen it before. You know, who's using RNG? These are these are companies that are consumer facing that want to be able to show their zero emissions profile. And you know, there might be companies shipping products such as uh, an Amazon or a Walmart as a distribution center, and they could use RNG to heat that warehouse or RNG in their uh, trucks to deliver that product to you and I or, or, or the store. And if you compare the price right now of RNG to just plain natural gas, natural gas uh, is Henry Hub price today is roughly around $2 per million BTU. Average RNG, according to Waste Management, one of the better, bigger companies producing RNG is around $25 per million BTU. So it's a premium fuel at this point in time. Again, that's just a, a question of, you know, more supply, more, more demand than there is supply. And that's going to obviously change over time as some of these projects come into play. You know, you mentioned some of the companies that are going forward with this. You also mentioned, you know, producing potentially the opportunity of 10 to 15% of energy for the coverage. What, what, what does it mean for long-term growth? Um, does it make sense to build infrastructure for future use? And what are some of these companies that are having this opportunity in our region, in the Appalachian region? Yeah, so talk about a couple of the companies. Um, Northern Biogas is one uh, 
based out of Morgantown, West Virginia. We're going to have them speak at, at, at the conference. Uh, they're a local company, but have grown very quickly nationally with RNG. The Cells, another one out of uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Another one would be uh, Mustang Sampling, uh, Ravenswood, West Virginia. They've taken their expertise from natural gas and, and being able to describe the specification for natural gas and make sure the natural gas is on spec and taking that over to the RNG industry. So these are, you know, a couple of the companies that have grown very, very quickly with RNG and, you know, will continue to grow as, as uh, these opportunities are, you know, for the next 20, 30, 40 years are, are practically unlimited. And again, it's helping the environment. It's uh, giving us a fuel that's produced locally that we can consume locally, like you said. So that's all good stuff. Does it mean building infrastructure for future use on down the Yeah. So, you know, again, it, it's a great question. And so the infrastructure that, that needs to get built out potentially is the connections into the natural gas grid itself. So where we are in the U.S. and Appalachia, there's natural gas lines everywhere. So it's fairly easy to build in these connections. And it might be from a small uh, RNG facility that handles uh, several farms. You know, they might only tie it in with a one inch or two inch connector into, into the grid, but we need to do that. And those, those smaller pipelines are easy to build. It's almost like the pipelines that go to your house and my house and, you know, the local uh, commercial bakery and things like that. In addition, we're seeing a build out, and, and this is going back to your earlier comment on the hydrogen hubs and the DOE funding those hubs. The DOE is also fought funding a number of carbon capture sequestration hubs. And from there, those will be the on-ramps to allow us to connect in from these RNG facilities, that CO2 that's a byproduct, and to put it underground. So it is all about infrastructure in the end, transporting it efficiently to where we, where we need it to go. You know, I mentioned in the beginning, while we really wanted to have you on here is the upcoming conference. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about the Appalachian RNG conference. It's the first in a series of RNG conferences focused on creating regular awareness of local opportunities to profitably address climate change. You want to speak about the conference? Yeah, Maybe absolutely. So, about so the coming up. We see, and you know, we talked about some of these companies that we tried to get local companies like Northern Biogas and the cell there to present. And we want to make local companies aware of this opportunity that this is something they can participate in. Uh, companies that maybe are making, I don't know, steel fabrication and making steel tanks, they could be making those tanks for the farmers locally, but they may not be aware of that opportunity. So that's why we've we've started to do these as smaller regional events instead of doing it, say, in a big city like New York or Chicago or that kind of a thing. We think the opportunities are local. We just think that people are unaware or haven't been exposed to this. It's so new. And also the jobs, you know, a pipe fitter, a welder, those kind of things that are in the local community. These are the kind of people that are going to benefit. Uh, excavation, um, landscaping is needed for this stuff. All those, all those kind of jobs. I was going to ask you a question around workforce. If why the conference was starting in Appalachia, because a large majority of that workforce, that energy workforce, is in place in Appalachia to take advantage of these potential opportunities. Is that was that specifically? 
one of the reasons why? Yes, absolutely. Um, Appalachia will grow far faster in RNG than some of the other areas as, as a percent of how much RNG opportunity there is, simply because it has that workforce, those companies, uh, those companies that service the natural gas industry that are the suppliers to the natural gas industry are here. The pipe doesn't know whether it's it's carrying natural gas or RNG, but you still need that pipe. You know, it's the exact same thing, just from a different source. You're you're instead of mining it out of the ground, you're 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 mining it from a landfill or for from a uh, a manure anaerobic digester at a farm. I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know. Uh, where they can find more out more about the conference. What's your website? Yeah, so our website is rngconferences.com. Just type or Google that in and you'll see it. Uh, it is coming up April 19th. We're doing very well. We probably only have about 10 seats available. We're going to be sold out. We're very pleased with the response of the community for people to try to see and understand this. And we're getting people from uh, suppliers, from unions, from financial institutions that want to fund these kind of local projects. And they think this is good for the environment and also good for their shareholders. All sorts of different folks coming in and we will have the experts there explaining and unraveling how this RNG works in far more detail than I have talking about what kind of credits there are available, what kind of federal programs can you take advantage of to help fund the activity, what a typical project looks like, you know, what are the key components to making this thing happen, what's, what's, what's going to be happening in the future in terms of these projects, like we're getting into some exciting things where we're getting to what's called a hub and spoke method for farms, where areas like Appalachia has smaller farms. How can you have a RNG facility, separation facility, pay for it on one of these smaller farms? Well, these farms are linking together and they'll have a hub where the RNG is being processed and put into that natural gas gas grid. The spokes will be going out to a number of these smaller local farms. So these different ways of handling some of these problems and issues turning them into opportunities or something our speakers going to cover. Yeah, very cool. I know you said that it's limited. There's only about 10 spots left, but for someone who doesn't, isn't able to attend the conference, I, I know EPA has a, a plethora of resources when it comes to RNG, to finding out more. Do you have any recommendations? Can they go to your website to find out a little bit more about Absolutely. RNG? So they can go to, right. So they can go to our website. They can sign up for our newsletter. It's free. Once a week, we, we, Capture the top stories in RG so people can see what's happening. We also have a blog where we post things, for example, from the EPA and other organizations that are talking about RG and what's happening in RG. And it also has some of the reference sources for the EPA. For example, the EPA has done a great job in documenting all the landfills and which ones have the greatest potential for RNG because they want that methane captured. They don't want it escaping into the air. And there's various other, for example, the FDA, USDA, they capture the where all the farms are. Now we know where all the potential sources of that manure are that we can talk to and potentially have these projects with. Uh, EPA, again, for all the wastewater treatment plants, they have to be registered by the EPA, and they give great data about how big they are. So we know how much methane they potentially could be producing, and we can identify that. Yeah. Who knew poop could be worth so much? Poop could be worth a lot of money. And, you know, here, you know, just like the farms we talked about before, good farming practices where that 
uh, out of that anaerobic digester, we get the RNG and then there's some leftover solids and semi-solids the farmer can use it in the fields. We get that with the wastewater treatment plants. Uh, if you go buy organic fertilizer now, one that uh, is in my area, it actually comes from Milwaukee Wastewater Treatment System. They have made that brand and they are, that is, that is human poop that is now converted into organic fertilizer. I wanted to ask you, Tom, a question that we ask all our guests. It's always good to hear different perspectives, people that are from the region, people that are not from the region. But what's the first thing you think of when I say the word Appalachia? So, you know, I think of it as an area that is going through and has gone through some rough economic times. People have been challenged with having jobs and, and having a, a lifestyle that you know, other regions in the U.S. have enjoyed just because of where they're positioned and what they've had. And Appalachia, I also think of, as, as you mentioned before, extracting minerals out of the ground as, as one of the key components to its, its history and, and ongoing future. And I also think of it that the people in Appalachia, because they've had to do with less, they, out of necessity, have come up with and are very creative with solutions and ideas and you know aggressive in making this stuff happening. I mean, so many neat folks that uh, you know I've been able to talk to you know about this conference and see and you know some of the ways that they're handling RNG. It's just it's innovative. It's it's gratifying to see and the region is very strong with that mindset that I think will make it a big success. Tom, I love the answer. Obviously, there's no right or wrong, but I gravitate towards that necessity experience or, or the idea of, of being innovative out of necessity in Appalachia. I think that that kind of digs at the heart of what Appalachia is all about. And one of the things in regards to this show, this podcast, you know, we grounded on place and perspective. Place is really important to Neil and I. It's really important to Appalachia. It's like an own character in an, an to itself in Appalachia. So we wanted to ask you in regards to place, just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Well, I guess uh, where I live outside of Philadelphia is home. Uh, it's in Devon, Pennsylvania. Uh, we've been here for quite some time. It's become our home just because it's it's some some place that we went to initially because it had an excellent school system. And we had the opportunity and choice to make that. And we did. And we've lived all over the world. Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, so did my wife, and lived in New Jersey and Texas. I was in uh, Saudi Arabia for a while, uh, over in Europe. So we've had a lot of opportunity. But to me, the question about home is not the geographic location. It's it's a mindset. This is uh, this is where we have our friends, places we know, places we like to go to. Everything around us is is part of us. So that that's how I would define home. Yeah, great, great answer, Tom. And we definitely appreciate that. We appreciate all the work that you have done in the past, all the work that you're doing now in regards to the RNG, renewable natural gas industry, but also focusing that in our neck of the woods, in Appalachia. I wanted to ask you, since we started off the show with pork belly, I wanted to ask you a final question. Biscuits or cornbread? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> oh, 
I love both. So, uh, boy, that's that's going to be a hard one for me. to. Get. I can't give you an answer on that one. I, you, <laughs> well, you have I, to I sign me you. up with both. Sorry. I'll tell you, Neil stays political on this answer. He always answers both. So we'll, we'll accept both. All right. Well, you'll have to tell Neil that uh, I'm, I'm in his camp. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom, again, like I said, for all that you're doing in the renewable uh, natural gas industries for all that you will be doing going forward and for this conference that's taking place in Appalachia on April 19th. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, it's an exciting time and I hope I've conveyed some of that to your listeners uh, that they've got a great opportunity ahead of themselves and they are well positioned just because of the past natural gas history as well as, as we said, the necessity that, that's the mother invention that, that creates these inventive people that are going like, uh, you know, companies we talked about that we'll have there like Northern Biogas that are expanded out of West Virginia and they're, you know, got, got projects all over the U.S. as a result. I encourage people to get involved. It's exciting. You know, so many opportunities, so many, all this organic material all around us, you know, whether you have a farm or live in the woods or in a city, it's, it's here. The opportunity is right here. Neil, did you ever think that your poop could be worth something? <laughs> well, you know. I know, always, I know you think your poop don't stink. I've always kind of felt like mine is worth something. But <laughs> now I'm confident that it is. So all these years, I just wasn't smart enough to realize it. I just, you know, had that, had that thought. So now, you know, people are taking it to a new level. So what an interesting talk. Obviously with landfills, with wastewater treatment plants, you know, you see these methane pipes that are coming out of landfills. And I've always wondered, you know, what they're doing with them and converting it to natural gas, take capturing the methane, reducing the carbon emissions, innovative step in regards to decarbonizing the environment, battling climate change throughout the world. Absolutely. Us Americans, man, when we put our minds to it, especially in Appalachia, we'll, we'll figure out something to do with everything. You, you know, as Tom suggested, it's so such a new industry and it's supposed to grow exponentially over the next couple of years. The opportunities in Appalachia, the opportunities now. Yeah, for sure. It's going to grow. <laughs> the waste will grow. <laughs> oh, man, I love having, having an audience that listen to us talk about things like this. But <laughs> I, Yeah, I just wanted to thank Tom again taking the time i know they had the conference this week it was sold out like we mentioned in the intro i'm sure it went well we weren't able to attend hopefully we can attend the next one they're going to have another one in november right outside of appalachia as well so hopefully we we can possibly attend that i think they may already have the hydrogen hubs announced at that point so we'll see but we want to thank tom thank him for all he's doing in the region Thank him for all he's doing in regards to renewable natural gas. But I wanted to ask you, Neil, in regards to that, in regards to the discussion that we had tonight, do you have a nap biz for us? Yeah, as it relates to what we talked about, I can't think of a, of a better segue to talk about our friends over in Moorhead, Kentucky, who are, you know, they had a big announcement this week uh, over at New Frontier brand. New Frontier. 
Yeah, you can you can visit them at newfrontierbrand.com. Josh and Jared Ravenscraft. Man, they're doing some big things, Will. You know, I know you and I love the brand. We love the clothes. And uh, they just launched a new jean design. They're, they're doing denim differently. And uh, I think it's best that we just hear from them on, on how they're doing their new concept and what exactly went into to this design. So if you will, play their new promotional. And I just wanted to highlight them. The New Frontier Circular Denim concept was inspired by the folks in Europe who are leaders in sustainability. Saving water, saving CO2 emissions, no chemicals, no dyes. I mean, these are 100% clean jeans. We came to the conclusion that we can introduce a new concept and be in quality, durable, and also sustainable. Feels good to be doing things the right way, taking care of our environment, but also making some great products along the way. Yeah, man, Will. So, you know, I'm a big jean guy and any any chance I can help the environment by wearing clothing that is doing the same is a step in the right direction. So kudos to uh, Josh and Jared and uh, can't wait to see what's next for New Frontier, man. Yeah, it's very cool. It's all about the circular economy, which we mentioned in the show. You know, in the show, we talked about turning grease into gas. They do it a different way. They're making uh, the circular economy through their jeans. Every pair of New Frontier jeans is recycled into a new New Frontier jean, leaving no waste and using 92% less water than the average jeans. So very cool. I'm glad you highlighted them. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, great brand, great concept they're doing, and uh, they got lots of other things. So check them out, newfrontierbrand.com. Another episode in the books. I hope people found out a little bit more in regards to renewable natural gas i'm sure they definitely learned something from this episode for sure i'm just glad that tom came on with us so i guess you know what that means yeah i guess we are at the end and we can end it like we usually do till next time peace i'm up in the mountains again i'm getting lighter the air's getting thin now i'm facing down with the grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong In the mountains again